Before we get into today's episode, we'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. This episode was recorded on Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung land. Welcome to Interior Couture. We're here to bring the same excitement over interior design that friends share when discussing the latest in fashion. So grab a glass and join us for another episode of Interior Couture, where design comes home. Welcome back. I'm Ash from Toy Interiors. And I'm Claire from Miller Studio. We are back and ready for another episode. And today we are going to be doing our Design Pulse segment where Claire and I take a little bit of a dive into three of our favourite design topics of the moment. Yes. And then we are going to be unpacking the style of Art Deco, which has so much history and depth to it. I'm really excited to see what this looks like for us now and what it looked like in the past and how it shaped us. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great little episode today. It really is. (laughs) So before we get into any of that, Claire, give us a recommendation. My recommendation this week is to go outside of your comfort zone. So on Thursday, I hosted a Purpose and Pinot event and it was so much fun. So it was the first event that I've hosted for Amila Studio and it kind of just came about like very organically and I don't even know how it happened to be honest. And it was so much fun. It was so good. There were 15 amazing women in the room and it really pushed me outside of my comfort zone to organize it and to get a room full of uh, girls there. But It was great. It was so worthwhile. I can confirm it was a really good time. And ironically, that was my recommendation. Oh, seriously? (laughs) So I attended Claire's Purpose and Pinot event and it was, it was super encouraging. It was really cool for me to see Claire up there just absolutely killing it. She did (laughs) an incredible job. And also there's nothing more powerful than women sitting in a room. Mm. I feel like women have two options. They have the opportunity to tear one another down Mm. and they have the opportunity to build one another up. And Mm. I feel like anyone that's, I guess, gravitating towards that kind of event naturally likes to build one another up. So it was really encouraging everyone. Nobody really knew anyone, but by the end of the night, everyone was like, let's catch up for coffee. It was was a good event. Just like a powerful group of like-minded women. It really was. So... If Claire or Miller decide to host another one, that is my yeah. recommendation. Definitely get there. It is well worth the buck. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, definitely go and get uh, inspired for an evening. Well, thank you so much. I reckon I'll host it at the beginning of summer. It feels like a seasonal mm. thing to me. It does. That before every new season to kind of set new intentions set could be like aperol and aspiration oh my goodness okay there we go because pinot feels like winter it does i love this and, but aperol feels like summer summer vibes shit i'm really into it okay <laughs> so we're going through a rebrand every season sees a different um name different brand yeah. love it okay oh, it's on <laughs> so yeah you heard it here first aperol and aspirations for that. the beginning of summer <laughs> all right let's jump into our first segment design pulse and we have a really meaty one as the I guess, opener for this. We are going to talk a little bit about AI and how it's affecting our industry. And we were very purposeful in not saying how it's positively affecting or negatively because we wanted to do research to see where it kind of 
sat. Mm. For anyone that doesn't really know what AI is, it's artificial intelligence, but I don't know how I would explain it in... Uh, yeah, it should have looked up a dif- definition, I guess. Yeah, I just assumed really. everyone would know. But we're talking about artificial intelligence, so computer-generated design aid to mm-hmm. assist in the creative process, yeah. shall we say. It is still in its infancy, so it mm. is kind of like we're grasping at straws at the moment. We only know what we can read mm. because there's not a lot of concrete information that in one year's time this is what's going to happen in 10 years time this is what where we're going to be we don't really know those answers but it's really just a matter of understanding where the industry is going at the moment with ai and how different algorithms and as algorithms learn behaviors they get more and more advanced and how that will help the creative process or maybe hinder it. So what did you find out? I don't know about you, but personally, I found a lot of articles written by suppliers, not designers. Mm -hmm. Um, Suppliers were unpacking a lot of the positive impacts that it would have on our industry. I found it a little bit off-putting because it felt like they were talking on behalf of designers, even though that's not their position. Sure. So specifically one article that I found from ABI, and ABI are a tapware Mm. um, supplier and designer. They had talked a lot about um, by inputting information like colour preferences, furniture styles, room dimensions, AI design tools can suggest furniture decor and colour schemes that align with your client's taste in a more efficient manner and creating more satisfied customers than an in-person designer can, Mm. which I thought was quite interesting. I don't disagree that AI can produce 10 designs in one go. Yeah, the efficiency bit is definitely 100% it's going to be there. I do wonder whether it produces like their term saying more satisfied customers I found quite unique. Mm. I'm not sure that it necessarily will because if a client is sitting there using AI to produce all the designs, they still need to be able to understand the context of the designs Mm. to determine whether it is the best outcome for their home. Yeah, there's still that human element, isn't there? Because there's still someone has to be putting that information in. They need to be extracting that information so Mm -hmm. that the right info is going in to spit out the right conclusion. We spoke last week, I think, about our current societal need for experiences and connection Mm -hmm. and how we're only trying to find it in more and more locations. And because of that train of thought... I don't see how AI could take over completely. I think there's always that nurtured hand-holding experience that within any design process, whether we're talking about interior design or furniture design, graphic design, whatever it may be, there is a human element. We're creating for humans. So I don't believe that AI can take over completely. I just can't quite see it yet. But in my eyes, I can see how it's going to aid in efficiency. I do think about, although this is an AI, I think about um, Reese at the moment where they've got your own bathroom builder platform. So yeah. Well, it is a version of it. That yeah. kind of VR, virtual reality is in the same kind of realm. Yeah. So. But I find that clients still come to me. So yeah. they may have gone and produced their own floor plan, but they go like, I don't know if this is the right way. And so they're still yeah. looking for confirmation. So I agree. I think it will be a tool. I don't think it'll be a replacement. Mm. I think that 
even self-checkouts still require a human being yeah, there. To, so I true. don't think that it will replace roles. However, the most reasonable quote that I found mm. was by Rob Gerling, who is co-founder of the global data and AI consulting company called Artifact. Mm-hmm. They've written... While the barriers to learning and mastering the craft will be lower, the design industry's superstars will most likely remain unaffected. Mm. We saw a similar trend in print and graphic design in the 90s. The arrival of desktop publishing software ultimately eliminated the lower end of the market, but it also created a broader appreciation for design from everyone, increasing the demand and the differentiation for the very best designers. Until AI is capable of surprising us with completely novel ideas, superstar designers and companies will invest that invest in them will continue to dominate increasing the value of design brands. I Mm. completely agree that AI will probably take some designers' jobs. Yes. I think that you need to be on top of it and you need to learn how to make AI work for you or it will replace you. So I do agree that it probably will not affect the more successful designers, but it can potentially have an impact on smaller less trained designers yeah I tend to agree I think to begin with it will aid them and then as it gets more superior and efficient Mm -hmm. could take over Mm. there are examples like chat GPT that everyone knows that's kind of the AI tool that I guess is the most popular and in the forefront at the moment which is a really a communication tool that you can punch in things that you want it to write for you, questions that you may have and it trolls the internet to find and succinct articles and pieces of information so that you don't have to. That's really what chat GPT is doing. That is such a great example of how it can only make good communicators better because you still have to punch in information. You still have to put ideas in the train of thought and prompt it when it's going down the wrong line of thought, when it produces something that you're like, ooh, that's not Which a lot of the time it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So it will only get better and better. That's the thing with AI. The more information that it gathers, the more that it learns, the better it optimizes. So these things, these tools will only get better in a very short amount of time too. They rapidly improve. So I have no doubt that by this time next year, we could be having a very different conversation mm. because at the moment there's only a handful of things that we can even pluck that we know how to use and that we've seen in the industry but I reckon by this time next year there'll be heaps more definitely Mm. so I think that's where it's really beneficial to keep up with it and make Mm. it your friend that's how you're going to stay on top of not letting it swallow you that was kind of my opinion toward the end yeah I agree amazing so no no succinct answer no, but I don't think that we'll we'll get there. No, but definitely a really good conversation of topic. Um, mm. I had put it out there to our community mm. earlier on in the week. Um, a lot of people are feeling really scared of it, which okay. I find quite interesting. They're not yeah. feeling like it's a tool that they want to adopt at the moment. Mm. So I guess it'll be really interesting to see how that unravels over the next kind of six to 12 months. Yeah, I think it's only natural that you fall into that fear, but... I reckon, as you say, embrace it. Embrace it. I think you'll be able to turn that fear around. 100%. All right, let's move on to everyone's favourite model. 
Winnie Harlow's glamorous LA home is a dreamy sanctuary. This is an article written by Architectural Digest. So she, um, I guess, walked us through her home Mm. and gave us a little bit of an insight into her design choices and the purpose of each space. So we thought we would take a little bit of a wander around ourselves. Yeah. And it was accompanied by a video tour where she's interviewed and she walks you through the whole home and tells you about each unique space and I love a good video tour. Me too. <laughs> uh, there are images there as well and, of course, commentary from the writers. But I don't think you can get a more intimate option than mm-hmm. having her show you around her actual home. The uh, designer on this project was Martin Lawrence Bullard. Yeah, Bullard. Yeah. Yeah. Bullard, we'll say. And it really is just dripping with Hollywood movie vibes, isn't it? It's very rich, very – there are spaces that are very monochromatic and then there are pops of colour. It does feel very luxurious and each room has a slightly different vibe to it and I particularly loved her commentary throughout the whole tour – She refers a lot to her family and her friends Mm. and the entertaining that she does and her like big couch that she just had to have to have movie nights and have people just falling asleep in her home. That narrative I particularly appreciated because you can then appreciate the design decisions that they've made even more so knowing that they're accommodating not just her but her whole family. Something that I found quite unique and I'm really I'm glad you brought up the video versus photography Mm. element because looking at the photos themselves I was like great everything kind of here looks to scale and works well with one another. I disagreed with that throughout the video. Mm -hmm. My take on the design was things don't quite look like they're to scale with one another. So, for example, she had these really unique sheep in front of the fireplace and these palm trees, but the fireplace itself was quite small Mm. in comparison to how they had decided to style the area. Mm. And for me, that felt quite cluttered and quite... I guess um, it didn't really feel like a space that I wanted to sit in. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, I wonder how this does play because the photographs, it pulled off very differently. Yeah. Um, but personally, I was like, oh, it kind of took away from the fireplace for me in the living room. Yeah. that To me, that was actually the only space I found jarring. Mm-hmm. It's not my personal taste, the home, But I really liked it. Mm. It was really fun. But that area, I was like, if I was in there, I wouldn't know whether to turn left or right, how to get around the sheep. Do I pat the sheep? Do the sheep have names? (laughs) And do you move them? Do they live there all the time? Or are they roaming sheep? (laughs) Um, These are just like uh, furniture sheep, I guess, like ornaments, I guess, uh, that we're talking about. So that was... I agree. That was the only part that for me felt jarring. Yeah. But I just could not go past her glam room. Her glam room. What I loved specifically about the glam room was it really highlighted the need for a designer and pulling off of the AI topic. Mm -hmm. The reason I say this is because, correct me if I'm wrong, Winnie wanted a mirrored ceiling. Yes. And... There are a lot of issues when you think through a mirrored ceiling, more than just the weight itself. But let's just talk about the weight. Mm -hmm. The way that mirrored can get kind of fixed to the ceiling at times, especially in America, if you live in a um, high risk cyclone zone or hurricane zone, Mm. the mirror, if it 
runs the risk of falling down, which yeah. is extremely and dangerous. Cracking, breaking. And cracking. Yeah. If someone is self-designing, a lot of the time they don't think about that kind of thing. Mm. They would probably just kind of pop a mirror up on a wall. Yeah. But it was the designer that flagged practically this probably isn't yeah. the right issue, uh, right solution. They're in an earthquake-prone area. Yeah. and <laughs> so could you imagine? Yeah. And so solution-wise they put this really reflective wallpaper, almost like gold leaf. That's what it reminded yeah. me of, but the silver the version ceiling, of yeah. gold leaf, which doesn't create – a reflective surface per se, but does give you that kind of glam. It still highlights, I guess, shadows that are happening in the space and all yeah. of that and a really good solution to the client's brief. Yeah, it really was. This whole room is just incredible. So it's a entire space for her to get ready and when she's got hair and makeup artists, that's where they go. And I loved particularly on the wall that she was saying how one huge wall has all of her magazine covers all framed and she was saying that she likes to take a moment to appreciate and acknowledge the achievements that she's made and sit there with pride at how far she's come. And I so loved that because Looking at that wall, instantly you could go the other way and go, whoa, like she's, she's got a herself. whole wall dedicated to mm-hmm. her magazine covers. And, of course, there are so many. Like it's very, very impressive. And I just love that she's there saying, no, nah, need to take a moment mm-hmm. to appreciate how far I've come and look what I've achieved. This is my moment while I'm having getting mm-hmm. my glam done for the next achievement, no yeah. doubt, because she's probably going out to get the next magazine cover. Oh, I just loved that. I think it plays on what we talk about a lot, which is presenting what you want to achieve yes and I think the glam room is a perfect space to see what you've achieved because it helps you put on I guess your like mental armor for the day yeah what I found unique was that then a similar trend ran into the powder room yes so the powder room (laughs) wallpaper designer actually prompted her to have a wallpaper made from a shoot she did of about 30 images To the eye, they looked about A5, like repetitive images A5. And I couldn't really tell how I felt about Mm. it. All in different colours. So to the eye when you walk in, it's not that obvious that it is images of her. It does kind of look like some kind of disco wallpaper to me. That's the vibe it's giving off. It was a very couture and uh, editorial shoot. Mm. So it wasn't like photos of her face reprinted she was in unique like her body was in unique positions and Mm. she was wearing but I still I I remember watching the video and thinking how would I feel if I went into Claire's powder room and there were 30 (laughs) images of Claire like repeated (laughs) around and I think for me I would get performance anxiety and I just (laughs) I wasn't quite sure you wouldn't be able to take a tinkle I wouldn't be able to take a tinkle and it didn't feel aligned with what she was saying because she kind of said Uh, you know, in my glam room completely, but I don't like a lot of photos of myself. She'd said that a few times, yet she had a really large print of herself in the living room, which someone Mm. had drawn, incredibly stunning. Yeah, a pencil drawing. Yeah, a pencil drawing. It does not look like it's drawn by pencil. Incredible. Then she had her glam room piece and then she had her powder room piece, but it was contradicting a lot of what she was saying. That's so true. Whereas in comparison, I mean, that is her job. That is who she is. She could have leaned into it. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of think like if that's what you want, just go get it. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you do you. I appreciated the powder room's aesthetic, um, mm. but I, w- I wasn't sure really where I landed on 
photos the wallpaper yeah. yeah i like the idea that it's a custom-made mm. wallpaper how cool and the rest of the home it does have ironically quite an art deco kind it of feel does. which is where we're going to go into our past present future but which we didn't know when we picked no, the article no we didn't did we so it has fed through very nicely to mm. this week's episode because it is showing a lot of geometric shapes the lighting that she selected throughout the pendant art deco it really is and not only so art deco but she's very particular about talking the audience through the fact that she wanted the art pieces to be sorry the light pieces to be like pieces of art because she does have a lot of art pieces not only sculptures but uh works of art on the walls and these light fittings so they kind of tie all these areas through and it does feel very glamorous very elevated and my favorite room of her whole place was her bedroom oh I love that she just got on the floor the carpet was so lush (laughs) that she just kind of got on the floor and it was this pure white cloud that's all I can say of the master bedroom yeah but it wasn't sometimes when you do those pure white rooms they can lean one way or the other a lot of the time they can look quite stark but because the designer had introduced so many different layers of texture and different Mm. forms of texture it actually felt quite warm to me it did and different patterns as well so in the bed head they had a custom made huge oversized Mm. bed head that sat in between two windows and it's like an upholstered bed head but was also it had geometric Mm. patterns I suppose stitched into it so there were those sorts of introductions of pattern and texture but all in this soft white creamy Mm. cloud feel I would sleep so well in that room oh my goodness so well I couldn't eat in there though (laughs) yeah so well done Winnie beautiful article beautiful presentation all around loved it yeah so give it a little watch we've put it in the show notes and that's from Architectural Digest next up we just wanted to mention that tools for after is on in Melbourne. So this is presented by the Italian Cultural Institute of Melbourne and it's an exhibition that's running from Thursday, so the day that this episode goes live, all the way through to the 1st of October. You can go and visit Fitzroy Town Hall in Melbourne. They've described it as a major exhibition that focuses on innovation within the culture of design in Italy with the display of real objects, images and videos. And the question that the exhibition is asking is what will design and architecture of tomorrow look like? So these exhibition pieces are trying to answer that question and give us an insight on to their the designer's interpretation so that is on over the next few weeks so if you're in melbourne and in the area i think that's an interesting one to go see i might go this weekend actually i think it'll be really interesting it's definitely something that's on my list to do um and so maybe if we go check it out we'll give you guys a little bit of yeah let's go check it out together yes that'll be nice little excursion design date all right i think that wraps up our design pulse segment let's get into past present future for this week which will be art deco Claire has been like buzzing to do Art Deco ever since we released season two. There's something about the 1920s, which is the era of when Art Deco really came to the forefront. Let's talk about Art Deco. From my research, admittedly, it of course is heavily informed by the 1920s, but the descriptor that I've found is that 
It's come from the art decorative et yes. in industrial moderns. It's okay, I've pronounced that terribly wrong because it's a French fair that happened <laughs> and it obviously needed a lot of a French twang that I did not what give that just then. It originated in France and Paris held this fair in the 1920s, which really introduced the style to the rest of the world and then the rest of the world, particularly in America, took it and ran with this art deco style that we see not only through interior styles and architecture, but as well as fashion and automobiles as well. It is a style that really flows throughout so many design disciplines. Something that I found really unique was um, in my research about the history of art deco, I found that it was the first style to spread around the world, Mm -hmm. so to become like a global style that people grasped onto. And the context that I found that, because I think Claire and I had very different research, which was cool. The context that I found was, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but designers from the Bauhaus School, which was a design school, was forced to close in 1933 under Hitler's rule. The designers from that school then migrated to other parts of the world, including the United States, bringing with them the new ideas which focused on art deco at the time. And that's the context that I found to how it kind of spread, which was so interesting how such a massive part of our history, Hitler and that kind of reign, has then impacted the design world in a manner that's probably not something that you would know about. And it's hard to consider seeing as though right now if there's a design style that filters throughout the world, it's because someone took a picture of it and posted it online and then everyone sees it Mm. and goes, oh, that's cool, we'll make it too. Mm. It's just so interesting that how slow and how differently it worked back then. There are quite a few unique like hallmarks to to that era. So if you think of things like chevron patterns, Mm. stepped forms, sweeping curves, these kind of geometric shapes and trapezoid shapes. Mm -hmm. I really liked the word trapezoid and I was like, yes, that is a very art deco kind of shape. Yeah, and stylized wildlife. Yes. Yes. When you see like jungle animals and shit like that just like dressed up to the nines and you're like, yes. Something really interesting that I found on that point is decorative artists at the time, like um, designers of textiles, furniture and those ornaments Mm -hmm. that came about, they were regarded as really ordinary artisans before Art Deco. However, that year they gained status and it said that they were awarded and got recognised with the Art Decoratives status that's how it came about so originally they were kind of like laymen nobody really thought Mm. what they did was interesting or unique or had any purpose but for this time period what they were producing all of a sudden gained them this elevated status in their works which I found so interesting so fabulous isn't it you cannot go past the great Gatsby no this they did that movie 
so well, in my opinion. I wasn't around in the 1920s to understand if it's authentic. But they also had in there, you can, these kind of stylized wildlife, like all I can think of are those big cheetahs. Yes. <laughs> A sitting cheetah statue. And That's when you know you've made it. That is, right? think that that gives you a good visual of the Art Deco style is The Great Gatsby and we cannot go past the very famous, it's probably the most famous example of Art Deco architecture which is the Empire State Building. Yeah, specifically in Australia as well, the best known example of our Art Deco style is the Anzac War Memorial in Hyde Park, Sydney. So if you get a chance, yeah, if you can't well. get to the Empire State Building, <laughs> maybe you can get to maybe the Maybe you can go Memorial. there. And if you can't get there, we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> you can take a look at a picture. Something really interesting that I found that transitions us really well from past to present. Mm. I'm going to read this out. So Rain Hirsch, a 20th century design expert, explains the Spanish flu, which was a pandemic that hit in the 1980s, informed Art Deco quite significantly. It talked, this article talked a lot about how when they everyone was going through the Spanish flu, they kind of just need a resurgence of, I guess, excitement mm. and colour. And mm. that's when Art Deco started coming in, which kind of um, saturated it into homes and architecture. And it's really interesting to think that he has written, we can now expect a resurgence of the jubilant trend after COVID-19. All movements relate to what's happening in the world at that time. Mm. And I wonder, personally, I haven't seen Art Deco make this big resurgence. Mm. However, we have seen a lot of design styles kind of pull from the pandemic. And so I do wonder if there is a little bit of truth to that statement if there are things that we're seeing come in architecture now from the art deco era and whether there's kind of a relatable note between the spanish flu and covid19 i definitely think their core the core experience of when you go through something like that you do need a resurgence of something yeah you got to come out and really make a bang like mm. the roaring 20s like how good is the roaring 20s are we in the roaring 20s now i want to wear a flapper dress Me and too. and just pretend to smoke out of one of those really, really? long black yeah. i don't even know what they are but that's what Cigarette I want to be doing holders. with my life. Yeah, maybe let's bring it back. Yeah. The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. <laughs> They're here. Maybe we'll do an episode in the Flappers outfits. And <laughs> so good. Well, I think there's elements that I'm seeing. I, I can't necessarily say that I've seen a resurgence of the 1920s, but there are elements of it. Because when we look at like Winnie Harlow's apartment. Her art and yeah. her pendants. Yeah, like it is very Art Deco-esque, but I don't know if I could state that it is a whole apartment informed by the no. 1920s. I think that it definitely is taking portions, like little pieces from it, just like we see a lot of detailed ceilings. We were discussing earlier how those sorts of panelled ceilings are very much informed by cubism mm -hmm. which is a era just slightly prior to art deco yeah. which was very prevalent in art deco by having these all these different shapes and harsh lines on the ceiling and creating detail added detail on the ceiling we are seeing a lot of that at the moment yeah. again 
not necessarily in a full art deco home, but taking those little pieces. Another interesting collaboration that I just can't go past is Reese partnering with Zusta, Izzy Vanity Range. You cannot go past their art deco vibes. I really love that they've then introduced details such as the handles that have a marble big round handle, which they're also definitely coming back in. Something I find quite unique about that is they only got released, so let's say roughly a year ago. However, I was in discussion with a Reese partner almost four years ago Mm. and these designs were already penned out. So they were already finalised, penned out. He knew because he was going to install one in his bathroom and they weren't released to the public yet. So about that kind of three, four year ago, Mark, they were predicting that this was going to be a thing at this point, which is quite interesting and lines up quite well with that whole pandemic theory. Yeah, it really does. Something that I'm seeing come out a lot is powder rooms having that real art deco influence in their wallpaper and yeah. fanned mirrors. Yes. Fanned mirrors are a very distinct art deco artifact. Yeah. Starting to really pull through. And the other thing is definitely chandeliers made from small pieces of mirrors mm. or alternatively that modern approach where it's extremely gold brass geometric shapes that Mm. span over quite a large area. Those kinds of chandeliers we're definitely seeing come back. Yeah, so we're seeing little elements of it. If you want to have an experience inside an art deco, a well-designed art deco space, head over to the Everly Bar in Fitzroy. It's definitely been... Uh, informed by the art deco era Um, and I would say that it's a nice little experience go get dressed up dressed up inspired by the kind of that era and have a little bit of a play so how do we think this is going to inform our future I at this point can't see a resurgence Mm -hmm. of it we'll continue to see these little pieces that will inform us I think it's always going to be a marker of history Mm. I think that commercially we'll definitely see it there are some incredible hotels inspired around this art deco that is so true because those are the spaces that people want to live in for a couple days they want to be able to feel that luxe opulence that you don't necessarily want to have in your own home Mm. so I do think in the future it will continue to play its role commercially and I guess in informing some artifacts however I do agree I don't think it's something that we necessarily are going to see in our home Mm. unless you are I want to live and breathe the 20s yeah this elevated glam luxe again like Winnie Harlow it fits very much to who she is and the lifestyle that she leads but residentially I don't know that Mm -mm. in suburban Melbourne we're really gonna see much of this going on in the future that gives us a good place to end yeah before we end the episode I want to take a moment to thank Claire because today is her birthday and we are recording a back-to-back because of me. So I'm heading away for a couple of weeks and so we needed to record episodes and on her birthday she is 
pulling out all the stops and recording a couple of episodes so that you guys can get them each week. So big thanks to Claire. Oh, thanks so much. I'm not going to sing to you because nobody wants to hear that. But a big <laughs> happy birthday. Nobody does want to hear that. No. That is actually the worst. Because after the first happy birthday to you, you're just like, I get it. Yeah. I'm waiting for the end now. <laughs> I want to blow out my candles and eat my cake. Yeah. Which is what we're going to do now. We're we going to have some are, cake. Because Ash bought me the most beautiful bunch of flowers and cake and I'm very, very excited. And I'm just so grateful to be celebrating 33 today. So I'm stoked about it. Oh, that's good. All Yay. right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Interior Couture. Yeah. Until next week. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Interior Couture. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more, come connect with us on Instagram at interiorcouture.podcast. We're an independent podcast and we really appreciate your time and support. A follow on the platform that you're listening to this episode on would be amazing. If you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts and takeaways. 